Welcome to the Told Me to Learn and Develop for Medical Educators podcast series from the Frank H. Netter, MD School of Medicine. This podcast is for busy medical school faculty who want to expand their knowledge in teaching. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Coplett, and I will bring you interviews with experts in medical education, fellow faculty, and medical students to discuss the issues most relevant to today's medical educators. Today, we are talking about leadership in medicine and medical education. We would all agree that the dean of a medical school or the chair of a clinical department is a leader. What about clinician educators? What about medical students? And if they are leaders, what should we be teaching students about leadership? And what should we know about leadership for ourselves? To discuss these questions, joining me today is Dr. Rahul Anand and Alexa Lisevic. Dr. Rahul Anand is an associate professor of medical sciences at the Netter School of Medicine at Quinnipiac University. He is an infectious disease physician who went on to get his MBA from the Eisenberg School of Management at UMass Amherst. At Netter, he is the director of our first and second year medical student leadership selective and our fourth year leadership elective. He also serves as a visiting faculty at the Infectious Diseases Society of America's Leadership Institute and the Harvard Macy Institute. Alexa Lisevic is a fourth-year medical student at QU Netter and an aspiring academic surgeon. She'll be completing her general surgery training at Medical College of Wisconsin. Alexa served as a course development student champion for the elective curriculum on leadership for medical students at Netter. Rahul and Alexa, welcome. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's such a joy to be here with uh, Alexa and with all our listeners. Thank you so much, Lisa. Rahul, let's start with you. If I'm a clinical faculty member listening to this podcast, and I'm not a division chief or a clerkship director, why should leadership matter to me? Yeah, that's a great question to start, Lisa. So why should you care about developing your leadership skills Well, I would say because to be a physician or to be an educator is to be a leader already every day of your life in little things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis and in the big things that really matter to you. So whether to lead or not is not really a choice. The choice we really have is whether we want to be more effective at what we're doing and more intentional about it. So what leadership development does is it helps build the skills to do these things well to be our best self personally and professionally, to build meaningful interpersonal relationships, to lead teams effectively, and to impact the system where it matters most to us. So I would say it's not really a choice to be a leader or not. Now, whether you want to do the things that matter most to you well, that's what what is the choice mm. that you have. It this What you're saying reminds me a lot of when... Um, I talk about teaching to the students and the residents and the faculty. We talk about teaching skills. And so many people think that great teachers are just born with it or they're not. You say, well, there are actual skills that are involved in being a great teacher. And we actually have evidence-based practice of being a skilled um, teacher. But there are people, some people, who really were born right? Being really talented at those skills, 
but there are actually skills there that any of us can learn. So that what you're saying sort of reminds me of that, right? That we think of great leaders and people in leadership positions that, well, they are probably in that position because they just have those skills. But in fact, any of us can can and should develop those, it sounds like you're saying. That's right. And I think that those small wins, when one can apply what we're learning in leadership to our daily activities and make them better, I think those just empower one to go on and on and on. So it's really important to learn and develop leadership where it can be applied right away. That's great. Yeah, I imagine it's a lifelong learning process. Absolutely. I want to, I'd love to get your perspective on some of these things. So in thinking about how to develop our leadership skills as faculty, I would like to hear about starting up where, what are the students learning? What's the framework for developing leadership that you've learned in the leadership electives that you've taken? The framework that we utilize at Netter School of Medicine is centered around leadership development in three domains that Dr. Anand has mentioned up until this point, self, team, and system. And essentially, we work through each of these domains, one right after the other. So starting off in the domain of self, we are really thinking about how can I be my best self personally and professionally. And this, through this, we work through developing a leadership style, a mission statement, reflecting on our personal experiences, our value system, really anchoring down on meaning and purpose. And then from there, developing ideas about areas for improvement, setting goals, um, building our growth mindset. Before then, um, we move on to team. How do we work effectively as a team? And in this domain, we start to evaluate how do we navigate interpersonal relationships? And we talk about topics like emotional intelligence, communicating effectively, giving and receiving feedback through that lens of having a growth mindset, and continuing to develop leadership, team member skills, building and recruiting high-performance teams. And then the last part that we look at right at the very end of the course addresses system. How do we impact a larger system? How do we impact and make um, a positive influence in our community? And essentially, we worked and we address topics such as high value care, advocacy, change management, and really um, commit to this learning community that we um, that is dedicated towards leadership development. So it's very um, unique in that way, and it's very personalized, the leadership development that we receive at Netter. It also sounds very comprehensive. That's a very rich curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. I agree. So, and a and, lot of fun. I, and it is it was so funny as you were saying that, I was thinking that because, as you both know, I had the amazing honor to participate in a session or two. And it really was a lot of fun. And I may even want to come back to that in a bit about some of the fun things that you did. I realized that we didn't talk about, um, or in my introduction of you, I didn't talk about what did it mean to be a course development student champion? I, I can barely speak to how grateful I am for this opportunity. I, as someone who did not come into medical school with a ton of education experience or a lot of knowledge of how to 
build curriculum or even think about how do we um, complete a needs assessment and understand how to build a course that is meaningful, the opportunity to participate in building medical education and in a way that is so dedicated towards each of our students has been such an amazing learning experience and something that has shaped my career trajectory. I'm, I, it's been fantastic. And if so I you, can add, you know, the the feeling goes both ways because the curriculum is what it is because of Alexa's and the student champions' inputs. They have uh, really led the way in what they want us to teach them. And what was their role specifically, Rahul? Their role started from before the curriculum uh, was rolled out. So just sitting down and developing the needs assessment itself, running it and getting participation from all four years of the school, doing focus groups. Alexa led the focus group in her year. Really grateful to all the students who did that. And that allowed us to A, decide what to teach and what not to teach, and B, just think about how to teach it. And from that, I think those were the initial steps where we stumbled onto the concept of psychological safety and how that matters so much. I think without the students, we would have just maybe done a lot of content transmission and focused a lot on systems, but the very rich interpersonal and personal and applicable aspects of this curriculum uh, and taught in a in a way that builds psychological safety came because of the students themselves. That's great. That's great. Um, so, okay. So let me come back to this. So let me come back to that a little bit. So um, you both talked about leading yourself. So Rahul, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What does that mean, leading yourself? Yeah, it, it means that, you know, you're probably the, the person you're going to really lead the most day in and day out. Uh, and most times, perhaps, that's the one thing that is in your locus of control if you work really hard at it. Everybody else is not in our locus of control, and we do try to influence them and have shared goals and collaborate towards something greater than oneself, which is leadership. So that's, I think, one aspect of coming at leading yourself. The other is when I was building this curriculum, you know, I came from a different place and job and was going through my own journey and recovering from from burnout. And I think it that's one other reason that led me to thinking, how do we build this from the ground up? And it's really important to lead yourself first and well before you start to lead others. That means being your best self personally. So really taking care of your lifestyle and your health and well-being as a priority because it may be difficult to balance that in a days or weeks or months time frame, but in years and decades, it's going to really amplify your leadership if you take care of that. And then being your best self professionally, not just task focused, but thinking about leadership in a relationship centered way. And it's my relationship with myself and with those around me. So I think those are a couple of the aspects that build on to what Alexa already mentioned. And I'll add, you know, or amplify one thing she said which is in leading oneself, one has to really think about what matters most to me. So what's my core values, my meaning and purpose, my mission in life. And if I can connect what matters most to me to something that's in the system that I want to impact, 
then it can be a, a very big amplifying factor for my leadership. That makes so much sense. So, so I think then, so one other thing that, that makes me think about is emotional intelligence. So Alexa, um, emotional intelligence is being discussed more and more as a foundation for effective leadership. But for people who might be listening and may not be familiar with the term, can you explain what it is? And I'd also love to hear just how you have utilized emotional intelligence in your medical school training. Absolutely. So when I think about emotional intelligence, I see it very simply as the ability to recognize my own emotions in an encounter in real time and to begin to perceive or put myself in the shoes of the other person that I'm interacting with and what they might be experiencing in terms of emotions as well. And then utilizing both what I'm feeling and what I perceive that the other person is feeling as feedback for how I guide the interaction with the other person. And this is incredibly important, in my opinion, in medicine and outside of medicine, because it allows us to develop very empathetic connections and have very um, meaningful interpersonal interactions. And I would say that this is something that I am continuing to work on in an area where I have grown throughout medical school and have seen utilized very effectively in medical school, whether it be one-on-one with my colleagues in my daily interactions, whether it's collaborating or leading a team as a team member or as a leader in clinical settings all throughout the hospital, outside of the hospital and patient interactions. And I think it's so special to have... um, to have emotional intelligence as a provider, as a doctor, as a physician, because it allows you to build relationships with patients and establish trust. So I think I think it really is critical that our emotional connection with others um, catalyzes effective and really meaningful interactions. And this is what people mean when they say EQ. Right. That yes. So if I said, um, you know, Dr. Anand's EQ is really high, right? We're saying that his emotional intelligence is is really um, is really high, is very well developed. Um, and I think that's a we hear people saying that a lot, and I think people are recognizing more and more how important that is in what we do. I I completely agree. Yes, Rahul. What are some common leadership challenges faced by clinical faculty? I wonder if maybe you could even share a couple of examples of challenges that you've experienced. Yeah, Lisa, that's a great question. And absolutely, I think it will be helpful if I share what's been my lived experience. So I'll mention a few, and I know they're impactful enough that they've really helped had us go back and change the shape of our curriculum. So as Alexa mentioned, the basis of the curriculum was self and teams and systems. And as we went on this journey and challenges came up, we realized the holes in it. So if we look at 
the self-domain, the first challenge that I faced and a lot of us faced was balancing personal versus professional roles and responsibilities. And I think that's one thing that definitely comes in the way of faculty taking up more leadership uh, roles and choices in their daily lives and in their uh, aspirations. So that made us focus a lot on meaning and purpose and really clarifying what matters most to me because A, that will mean when I pick something that matters to me, I am going to be all in and have the growth mindset and take on the challenges and not back off because of them. And B, it gives me the power to say no to a whole number of things that don't matter to me and now free up my time. So that's one thing that made us really focus on meaning and purpose. And then as we went about teaching teams and, you know, lived that out in our experiences, I realized, and a lot of us have this challenge, that we become very task-focused in these teams. And you cannot really be an effective team leader without doing a lot of hard work to build exceptional interpersonal relationships. So now we have a whole component of how to build and manage interpersonal relationships. And I think that brings me back to just thinking in the beginning, we were very task focused and I get as well a lot of times in my day, but then to take a step back and think, okay, what is it in this relationship that matters even more to me than getting the task done? That's really been powerful in keeping those team members together longer. And finally, I think on the system side, uh, when we take on a project, sometimes it can be very lonely uh, and can lead to burnout doing it ourselves. So another thing that I learned uh, is how to belong to a community that has the same goals as one does and how to build community in the classroom, in the course, in a project that you're taking on. I think those were some of the challenges and, and they led us to building these powerful lessons as we went along. And can you give us a specific example of a time when you sought out a community that had the same interests as you um, and served as a motivating force for you in that way? Yeah, a couple come to mind. So in the last couple of years, uh, as COVID happened and we all responded to it, one community that really gave me support was the Infectious Diseases Society of America and all the colleagues in it, whether it's, you know, volunteering for the CDC IDSA helpline for clinicians across the country or getting together with others to build leadership curriculums. That was a lot of support in realizing that, okay, even if my own contribution is small, together we can really make an impact. In education, the Harvard Macy community has been fantastic for me. It's just so empowering and inspiring. Uh, and it that's the community that has really made me understand how a community over time is actually built and maintained and how powerful it can be to give support to those who are new as well as those who are established. And so so then as leaders, right, then I, the, I extrapolate from that, then we need to think about how to do that it, in, the, in our microcosms, right, every day um, in which we're serving as leaders. So how do we build communities in our own 
um, leadership or local leadership worlds, right? Absolutely. So one thing we use in our classroom, so talking about community in the classroom, because a lot of our listeners are educators, uh, we meet in small groups every week over the semester, and we start off our class with a rosebud and thorn exercise, which our students absolutely love. Uh, and everyone shares a rose, something that they're working on that's flowered, uh, a bud, which is something new that they're trying and they're sharing their growth mindset, and a thorn, which is a challenge that they're facing. And again, they're looking for support. And it also helps each other to see uh, the others as a human, as someone going through their journey. So they absolutely connect with each other as a result of this exercise. That's a great example. Super helpful um, to understand what that like a, a very tangible example of how to do that. Really, really helpful. Yeah, and if I can add on, so it doesn't stop at a classroom tool. They're, all the students are connected to a senior student as their coach, and the coach meets with them a couple of times during the course and relays their own journey. And in return, the the senior student is learning now how to coach and reinforcing the lessons. So they both get a lot of benefit out of it. That is so great. And I also had the honor of serving as a coach, which was an amazing experience. Of course, I learned as well during that time. Um, Alexa, I want to come back to you. I So th- there are just so very many articles and books about leadership. I mean, I, I it's it's really overwhelming, I think. Um, and I'm always having somebody say, oh, you should read this great book, you know, about leadership. It happens probably once a week. Somebody is telling me about a different book to read. And and so, and they all have slightly different approaches and frameworks, right? So I'm curious what resources you have found to be most helpful. And, and, and to be clear, I'm not, you know, we're, we're certainly not trying to promote any particular resource. It's just more of, you know, like you as one as one individual, as a medical student, right? What's just been most the most useful for you? One specific resource that I thought was very unique and very fun is um, Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it is a it's a fiction story that works through um, essentially a team that has been recruited and they are top tier. Everyone on the team is the best of the best. And yet, for whatever reason, they cannot seem to collaborate. Their company is struggling and it is very interesting because they work through Um, the five dysfunctions of the team and in real time and address them. And so you're hearing this story, but you're also reflecting about your own interactions and your own teams. And it's a very fun, fun way to think about leadership development. And so that is definitely one of my favorites. I think it's such a unique example. And then something that's more um, that I do on a more day-to-day basis is I follow certain, um, I guess, like leadership moguls or leadership development moguls in on Twitter. And one example of that would be 
um, Amy Edmondson, who works um, very much on psychological safety. She posts these awesome sketch pads that are um, diagrams and cartoons about what does psychological safety look like in a team and how do I build it? What does it not look like? Where do we uh, fail and falter that, you know, our teams lose a sense of psychological safety and they're they're very quick they're very visual and for me that's another awesome resource that i like to keep up with hmm. and and rahul it, it was your job to to find um all sorts of resources i mean you had to sift through all of them um but you also had um had already gotten your mba and had a little bit of direction of your own and and maybe knew how to navigate that literature what do you recommend for students or residents or faculty who are trying to navigate that vast and differing literature and if they want to learn more about leadership yeah and i don't think that i got this in my mba because they focus on management i.e. managing complexity versus mm. leadership, which is about something greater than yourself. So it was difficult. And I would say that we should come back to your original idea. Why do our listeners care about leadership and link that to the selection? So I would say, is that are you trying to be your best self? And then there's some excellent books in the self domain. I like the practice of adaptive leadership from Ron Heifetz from the Harvard Kennedy Business School. Uh, and that connects self to system. And I love the idea of uh, adaptive leadership, which is that we can look beyond our own identity and towards what is it that matters to us, the purpose, and be able to be this shapeshifter who can mm -hmm. then hold on to what's important, build what's new and necessary to adapt and evolve, uh, and uh, use that to, to build a better future. I also love Connect, which is about building exceptional interpersonal relationships from David Bradford and Karen Rubin, who teach the interpersonal dynamics course at Stanford. And uh, that's our course book for the preclinical year course, whereas the five dysfunctions of a team that Alexa mentioned is our course book for the fourth year elective. And then if you're looking for just a reference to keep on your desk as an educator, I think the AMA's Health Systems Science textbook is certainly a good one to have. I just don't think it has the depth in its chapters to transform you yourself, which these books certainly allow. And then if I can bring in some of the other media um, for emotional intelligence and relationship-centered leadership, I think season one of Ted Lasso is fantastic if you have the time <laughs> to watch. I can and we use, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I love the scene at the end uh, of the season where he says, what matters most isn't winning or losing, but it's being our best selves on and off the field. And I think that's, mm. you know, a through line to, to take away. And then we use a couple of movies in our courses, Invictus and Miracle. And those are, you know, also uh, fun watches if you're looking for some role modeling and uh, tips on teamwork. I think the fact that there are TV shows and movies and things that can be used as uh, the instructional material or at least a basis for discussion really just shows how threaded 
this content area is of leadership through our entire lives and how complex it is. Absolutely. And I think what I would add is that it's not really about the content. Yes, there's, it's, it's good to have the knowledge, but then it's also important to apply it and relate it to lived experiences, reflect on it, and even go beyond oneself in a group or a few people who, you know, people who are a safe space. And it's this connection of experiential learning with the safe space and social learning that allows one to then have a transformation that can really lead you on to, to something much greater than where you are right now. Rahul and Alexa, thank you so much for talking to me today about leadership. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Lisa. Loved it too. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was an absolute pleasure. I'm Lisa Coplet. Thanks for listening. And check out our next podcast in two weeks. I would like to thank the people who contributed to this show, Katie Lyons, our fabulous producer, and David DeRoche, our program director. For more information on other faculty development opportunities at Netter, email k-a-t-i-e dot l-y-o-n-s at q-u For more information on all of Quinnipiac's podcasts, visit qu.edu slash podcast. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at QU Podcasts.